So good evening, good afternoon, maybe morning. I think someone, a couple people are on the other side from where I sit of this planet. Um, so how are you doing? Did anyone uh, manage to, anyone manage to suffer today? Let me just see, did anyone, any fellow, little bit of suffering, great. <laughs> Let me just get another kind of read on how things are going. I'll just give me your thumb up or down. How are you doing? Where is your thumb? Sideways, down, in this moment, just all over the place. Someone's like <laughs> waving it. All right. Um, thank you for sharing. It's actually just really helpful to even see the range of states of mind. You know, I think we look at each other and we don't, know anything else other than our projections and what our mind tells us about the world, about other people. Um, and so even just the simple question of, tell me something, you know, tell me about how you're doing already in a way starts to pop that, uh, the, the projections or the, idea of, of not uh, knowing anything about someone else. I always loved His Holiness. This meeting is being recorded. Okay. That's cool. Okay. This meeting is being recorded. This meeting is being recorded. Oh, and I'm hearing an echo. And I'm hearing an echo. Is anyone else hearing an echo? Oh, great. Now we're not hearing an echo anymore. <laughs> okay. That was going to be, that, that is one of speak. And now it says I'm muted. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. My screen is going K-wire. It's saying I'm muted. <laughs> All right. If you can't hear me, just make, you know, wave your hands and things out. That'll help me. All right. Um, I was saying that that's, that would have been challenging because hearing my voice in a slight delay, I find incredibly interfering in my thought process. So that would have been an interesting way of giving a talk. Um, so this is an interesting beginning of uh, a reflection. Um, I wanted to share that just before sitting down, I was outside on a little bit of a walk and there's a hill uh, overlooking the water and all these people were sitting out there and everyone just looks so content and sun is out. And the thought very easily arises at times with the kind of question of like, and, and why do we put ourselves through this? Like, why, <laughs> why do we do this? Because it's, you know, that's not always the easiest thing. There's a phrase in the Dharma that says, the Buddha said something to the effect of, this goes against the stream, right? That this willingness to experience what's here, willingness to awaken, goes against the stream, basically the stream of whatever our conditioning happens to be. And we could say that our practice is an opportunity to begin to put in uh, seeds or new elements of conditioning that is now within our, um, our influence. And I remember feeling that life was in many ways just a haphazard set of outcomes before I had a way of looking more deeply into experience. There was no real way to understand how to, how to engage with the present moment, with my mind, with my heart, in a way that I could actually understand it more deeply so that it would lead somewhere, lead somewhere meaningful. And I think, you know, as many of us, before we have a practice, mostly our capacity to 
find contentment is to try to constantly align the right conditions. And so then when I walk outside and, this, and I see, oh, here are some really nice conditions and there is the sense of joy and ease. And I know though that the laws of the Dhamma, right? The lawfulness of the mind, the lawfulness of the heart doesn't ever stop. And we are constantly living out the, uh, the impact or the influences of our current experiences, of our states of mind, whether we feel steady or shaky, we feel kind of raw or clear. And the reality of our ongoing moments of experience, it's always there. And I was thinking how the people that are out there lying on the lawn, on the grass of the hill, they're experiencing the laws of gravity, right? Just as each of us right now, right? You're each looks like you're on the floor, not hovering mid room or up on the ceiling. So laws of gravity, so like normal laws. And it's not that, you know, we don't need to be thinking about gravity for gravity to be operating. And truly in the same way, the lawfulness of cause and effect that conditions lead to outcomes. Just an ordinary truth, right? That we can uh, really begin to feel that our state of mind, whether we are able to be with things as they are, or those times that we feel like we're resisting and struggling, right? They have the result. And those moments when maybe we drop in a moment of clarity, or we find uh, our way into just opening to the mood, whatever state of mind happens to be present, another drop of awareness and the influence, the effect that that brings. And that is part of the stream of conditioning then that we are putting in place. And so that lawfulness is always unfolding. It's always happening. And our practice in a way is just an invitation to, to keep going, keep going. There's a wonderful quote that I'm sure many of you have heard of from Bhikkhu Bodhi sort of says, something to the effect of, you know, there are only two conditions that are needed for any journey to uh, be fulfilled or completed. And I like to reference that quote because then it's so ordinary and the two conditions are to begin and to not stop. And so all of us here have begun and hopefully there's no stopping. because the mind is always happening, right? The heart is always being impacted. This really vulnerable um, experience of having a body and mind. It's always being touched by experiences. I was just remembering this quote by Trungpa Rinpoche. He was, uh, I think it was at the big conference in Boulder Colorado when they had sort of like the Woodstock, the Dharma, that first big gathering. And I, I believe that's where he said this kind of funny statement. He was asking folks and or, or addressing an audience saying, you know, for those of you who haven't started practice, haven't started down this path, it, it may be better that you don't start. I sort of feel like he probably smiled. He said, and then for those of you that have started, best if you finish. And I sometimes feel like this feels true. Like, oh, I've started this thing. And now I know that any moment of suffering has causes or it has some conditions that I can open to. And part of what happens, I think, as we taste uh, more and more the possibility of freedom or of clarity, 
there's this sense of wanting to continue. Like where are the edges where I get caught? Where do I still get impacted? Where do I contract? Where is my delusion as Carol was pointing out today? Just to bring up uh, a movement that is so much uh, alive in the collective consciousness right now around race. If you're a white identified person, in what ways are you exploring the, uh, the implicit bias or the, the ways in which in a racialized uh, kind of world, the conditioning that every person, particularly here in America, but it's clearly true around the world, in what ways has your mind been influenced and impacted by by the views, by the collective views, the collective conditionings. How interested are you to undo that particular form of conditioning and to look at it and be interested, not through a round, another round of feeling, um, I'm no good, I'm, I'm terrible, I have these thoughts that are unskillful, but to recognize that is, that's clearly part of the conditioning in the mind because that is what we've all picked up just like whatever uh, country we were raised in, whatever language system we were brought up in, without even noticing it, our mind has conformed to that language. And we pick it up and that is what is the influence. We pick up our cultural conditioning, right? The, the norms of our society. And going against the stream in this sense then would be to be interested in awakening to conditioning. What kinds of conditioning is supportive? What kinds of conditioning is conducive to joy in the heart? What kinds of conditioning uh, brings greater freedom to one's own heart mind and to uh, the community, to the family that I'm in, to the society that I'm a part of? And so that's our practice, right? To be remembering the possibility of awareness, really simplifying the practice, taking one moment at a time. And even though it seems like, you know, it can be really hard work at times, the invitation that so many of you have appreciated, just the feedbacks in the, in the groups and the comments that we've seen is a reminder and the invitation that we can really start from a place of ease. And our practice itself doesn't need to look complicated. Our practice can be one of remembering that we have one moment at a time, coming through the sense doors or the mind door right? Touching our consciousness and we can be aware of it. And then we can be aware of the mind's response. Is it pushing it away? Is it grabbing hold of it? Is it making more of it, right? Than what is simply arising and passing away. And so moment by moment, we really find ourselves right in the midst of experience able to be with the challenging moments just as they are, but also not kind of taking for granted those times when things are going well, that we can actually continue to cultivate interest, a sense of embodied awareness and not leaving, having the awareness just leave home and we rush out. So uh, the attention totally focused outwards. So just as we kind of maybe move into a period now with less words and continuing to be aware, I just want to offer a quote. Um, many of you have, again, probably have heard this quote. It's often shared. It's such a beautiful, simple, uh, touching into a, a moment of freedom uh, when the mind is really just aligning with the way things are. 
And this is from a nun in, in the 18th century, Tejitsu in Japan. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> she saw that all phenomenon arose, abided, and fell away. She saw that the knowing of this arose, abided, and fell away. Then she knew there was nothing more than this, no ground, nothing to lean on, stronger than the cane she held, nothing to lean on upon at all, and no one leaning. And she opened the clenched fist in her mind and let go and fell into the midst of everything. And so just continuing to explore what it means for you to be here in this moment, reconnecting with a sense of knowing, with awareness, Just one moment at a time. Remembering the, the possibility with starting from a sense of ease, allowing this body, this mind to Simply be here. Whatever is here is arising naturally. the nature of this body and mind and the feelings that are present, the hearing that's happening, and the breath coming in and going out. Whatever mood may be present receiving them with awareness. Allowing them to be just as they are.
And even when we notice the tensions or struggles, recognizing that this too, just the natural display of this moment Noticing if the mind is aware. And when awareness is present, seeing what else can be simplified Maybe there's not anything more that's needed, simply allowing any momentum of awareness to do its own work. And rather than being the meditator, just at times, exploring the possibility of trusting the awareness to know what's happening.
it's easy in a way as we settle into our practice these subtle forms of feeling that we're trying to get somewhere And again, just checking to see if there is a, a sense of simply arriving, allowing <clears throat> the nature of the body, the nature of the mind. <clears throat> to be just, at, <clears throat> excuse me.
Just seeing again how each moment that we are aware is really an opportunity to be understanding something. We may be understanding how this experience of this moment is composed of sights and sounds feelings and emotions in the mind and body sensations. 
And maybe recognizing just the impermanent nature of each moment. So just as each breath is a new breath, each moment of experience, every sensation, each thought, the experience of the body, the posture, all of this being known in this moment arising and passing. Or you may be understanding how the mind is relating to what's arising. Just sensing if there's any form of resistance, pushing away, holding on. What is the attitude in the mind in relation to what's being known?
And so just taking a moment as we emerge out of this formal meditation, you might just bring your awareness into your heart center for a moment. Just from that place of warmth, just allowing the sense of any any goodness, any merit that has arisen from our efforts, our intentions to not cause harm, to be a force of good and kindness. Just allowing that merit to radiate freely right from the heart radiating in all directions, carrying a simple message. May you be safe and at ease. May you be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. Dong Dong Okay. Really apologize for my singing voice. It's I keep forgetting this bell. Uh I don't see anyone crying, so it looks like it wasn't too impactful. That's good. Uh, And apologies for my scratchy voice. I felt like I had some sawdust. So, hmm. Yeah, you know, I just, Sometimes I'm just amazed, you know, at, at the possibility of what we've been offered in the in these these teachings. You know that uh, I would never have thought before I, I encountered these kinds of uh, uh, this kind of path that there was a way to understand this life in such a uh, really meaningful way that. Is almost like, you know, it seems so obvious in a way once we start to hear the Dharma because it's just explaining and revealing what is so immediate to each of us, right? Which is our habits of mind and they have consequences. And when we cultivate things that are skillful and beautiful, they have good results. And when we allow the habits of mind that are heavy or cause... uh, the mind to feel contracted, caught into those ruts that has their own uh, results. And so our practice just uh, becomes clear and clear. This is so worth doing. It's so worth doing. And we don't have to figure it all out. You know, it's just one, one seed at a time, right? Learning how to be in this moment, learning how to be with this set of conditions. So for example, a very small thing, I would never have allowed my voice to be the gong um, in the past because it would have been too much like possessing myself, like, oh my God, my voice. And, you know, I'd always swallow my voice. I remember practicing at the forest refuge where you're supposed to chant or you're invited to chant in the mornings. And like, I would always, like, like I'd be whispering like the soul. Just like the smallest, smallest little whisper, because I I didn't feel like I felt somehow uh, so identified, right? And being then measured by what does my voice sound like? And 
and just the, the, the feeling of, of real limitation that that brings when we get caught. And it still, in so many ways, still happens in my nervous system of making it so heavy because I'm, I'm identified with what's there. And then just the beauty of seeing what happens as we learn to play with all of the things that we experience, the, right, the skillful and the unskillful, but really this is the power of, of wise reflection, of wise views that these are just right, forms of expression or they're, they're different elements of nature. And when we're not clinging to them, we're much more free right, to, for them to be just as, as they are. There was one quick little story. Um, someone was, a teacher was sharing this about their own um, teacher, Tibetan Lama, and they were on a hike somewhere outside and there was, there was a, um, a log had fallen across the, the trail and the group had gone, gone ahead, uh, this Tibetan Lama, um, I think wasn't in the best shape. And um, so it's kind of fallen behind. And so log had fallen down and the way this person shared the story is I think maybe they were on the side uh, kind of hiding in the bushes, waiting to see how they would approach this log that had fallen across uh, the trail. And the, the Lama kind of, uh, uh, you know, the way I've heard the story is approaching it and saw this, the log that was much bigger um, than, than, he was and tried to scramble up onto it and then fell back. And what ensued was a series of efforts of trying to get up onto it and then falling back and each time a deeper laugh emerging. Just the laughter of the play of his particular body not being able to get on top of the log and making it over and just falling back. And that's just that story always stuck with me because so often the way my nervous system might meet something challenging or difficult would be adding, you know, something kind of, um, you know, critical. Well, I didn't do that. I didn't do it well. And finding the freedom really and the joy of, of participating in this mind and body as just an expression, right, of all the conditions that it's doing. And that's sort of like the taste, right? And I, that's, I mentioned His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, I believe, I think it was to a group. I just love to watch him because there is a way in which he's just in alignment with his own nature, that whatever is there is this sort of, this is okay. And always giggling and joking, right? If it's appropriate to be doing so. So not that there's a, a right time for us to necessarily finish, but there is some little bit of time. If uh, anyone has uh, an interest to uh, either bring something in right now that's on your own heart and mind that you'd like to, to chat about or to um, reflect on or drop a question, uh, we have a few minutes to do that now if you are so inclined. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.